Hello, and welcome to the Work Well podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and well-being? My name is Brian Crook, and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace well-being thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees, and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe, and well workplaces of the future. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the WorkWell podcast. This episode is brought to you with thanks to the Fruit People. Fruit People are leading the way in workplace nutrition, both in office and remotely. Check out thefruitpeople.ie for more. Today in the show, I'm delighted to welcome Lisa Finnegan. So Lisa has over 17 years experience working for HR, working in HR for technology companies, and was recently promoted to VP of International HRBP or HR Business Partners for the EMEA region. That also includes Africa, Latin America, and Asia Pacific regions at LinkedIn. So in other words, I think every she's responsible for every region apart from North America. So she's a gym and fitness enthusiast. And as you'll hear, she's a real wellness ambassador at LinkedIn. So Lisa and I discussed some interesting topics in this chat, uh, everything from fertility to community. And there's even a mention for what could be the world's first workplace well-being intervention featuring the ukulele. So you're going to learn a lot here. So sit back and enjoy my chat with Lisa Finnegan. Lisa, hello and welcome to the Work Well podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Great to be here. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you? I am good. Absolutely good. Yeah, it's been an interesting year, I think, uh, for, for many reasons, as we can all attest to. But, you know, working from home has definitely become the new normal for us and feeling very fortunate in that we were just given a company wide week off, uh, which we called rest up week to help our employees kind of combat just that fatigue of, you know, working and living from home. So that was uh, very much needed and very much appreciated by us all, I think. Oh, so, so that just happened, did it? That, it did. Yeah, absolutely. So the week before last, yeah, we were all on a, on a company-wide rest-up week. Yeah. And it actually, it's a huge difference when the whole company is off versus just, just yourself. Did I speak, I said you speak about that offering a well-being day. I say you can take the, give employees some time off, the day off. Um, and if, and if possible, make make sure it's the same day. Otherwise, you're you're kind of you're coming back to a full inbox. Exactly. Lots of tasks. So the entire is this globally the entire company or is it globally? Yeah, all all sixteen thousand of us. Uh, we've all been there. We've all kind of looked to take a Friday or a Monday off, yeah. and by the time we come back in and get through our email, we're having this conversation like it wasn't even worth taking the day. So. Just knowing that like all of your colleagues were off as well and coming back to an, literally an empty inbox the following Monday, it was uh, it was game changer. Yeah, I'm going to petition to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dream, isn't it? The inbox yeah. zero, coming back to inbox zero. Yeah, totally. 
And and so tell us how is how is work how, apart from the week off, of course. How is work? How is how is life at the moment? Yeah, life is life is good. I mean, I'm, I feel very fortunate in that you know my my husband is also working from home. It's you know we have our, our, our three year old dog who has never had a better existence than over the last year because he gets walked three times a day. <laughs> And so, you know, really struggled, I think, at the start of lockdown, just trying to adapt to a new routine. I would have loved the gym and just, you know, really struggled when when all of those facilities were closed down. And we just we took an active, very conscious decision to make sure we were still building in like our walks during the day. We we do a fake commute in the morning. So yeah. the time that we would have used on our commute, we actually channel into a walk with the dog and and just little little behavior changes like that just to try to to get some sort of sense of normalization and and routine we found was a was a was a big help and and then also just trying to learn when to switch off so actually closing down the laptop leaving the desk having a separate work area if you can at all from where you kind of you know cook or eat or or watch tv i appreciate not everybody is in that position but you know, doing whatever you can to distance yourself from from work so that you have that shut off time. And I think that was a big learning, um, certainly for me over this last year, was that because people were working and living from home, those work hours really just blended into the evening time, particularly because we are a U.S. company. We have so many colleagues in the U.S. and you weren't leaving the office. There wasn't that like natural shut off point. And so we definitely found ourselves taking later and later calls. And we've taken an active kind of step now to try to to try to reintroduce, you know, normal working patterns and behaviors. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's an ongoing challenge. And, and I think a lot of companies probably find themselves in that position. Just how do we balance employee well-being, mental health with productivity? And, you know, obviously the company is having a great year because people aren't taking as much vacation or working incredibly hard. But that will lead to burnout. And that was one of the reasons we decided to do Rest Up Week. Yeah, very good. Mate. That makes so much sense. Uh, so, I mean, Rest Up Week is clearly an, an initiative and that grew out, grew out of this. And I imagine kind of employee feedback. Anything else, anything else of interest, uh, kind of well-being initiatives, if you like, that you found that have been working throughout the course of the last year? Yeah, for sure. So we introduced a whole program called Lift Up. And that was very much targeted around kind of just the different wellness tenants. And so part of that was that we had actually Brezzy. I don't know if you know, uh, if you know Brezzy. Um, he came in and he did the lockdown ukulele uh, rockdown project. We saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. We had like 300 employees kind of almost like co-exploring principles of mindfulness and also how to play the ukulele. And we had a thousand colleagues come together in December for almost like a year round party. And we had a virtual musical festival together now uh, for the whole company. So that we, you know, we, we did some reporting off the back of that and we saw a 20% uplift in people's mood, which was great. So really trying to think of, you know, creative ways, not just ways that are going to cost the company, you know, a lot of money, like a shutdown week, but also things like where we're just bringing together that sense of community and really kind of trying to just get creative. Because I think a lot of what we used to do is no longer applicable, right? So we used to have our, you know, our, our food program in the office. We used to have our gym. And obviously now we're really trying to think outside of that box. And, and I have to give a huge, huge shout out to our compensation and benefits team who, you know, really have been, you know, absolute lifesavers over this last year in helping us think about our wellness, um, our wellness approach, our wellness strategy, whilst we've been transitioning to this remote work. So big kudos to them. 
Fantastic. Yeah, well, that's the first kind of ukulele-related uh, well-being initiative right. I've heard of, but it's, uh, it does sound fantastic. Yeah, and well, I, I'm actually from Stony Batter originally, so I think it was mentioned when, when Stony Batter is mentioned in the top 10 hipster locations, uh, <laughs> the number one point that comes up that this is a fact, there was actually ukulele lessons for under eight-year-olds. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, I I, I took a ukulele myself. I am not musically uh, gifted, uh, <laughs> challenged, I think <laughs> more accurate, but just to have that bit of crack, you know, and feel like you're part of a community and the weekly connection points versus just seeing people for work related meetings. You know, this kind of it, it sort of broke the mold and, and seeing people that you probably hadn't seen in a year you know, because they sit in different parts of the business was just, it was really special actually. So yeah, huge, huge kudos to, to those guys. And, and and that's just kind of one program as part of Lift Up, right? right? So it goes across everything from self-care, so mental health, um, work and family balance. So we offered uh, 60 days of paid leave in addition to PTO, which was emergency family accommodation. And that was specifically for parents of children whose schools had closed and who had no other childcare mm-hmm. options. And you could take that, you know, in, in chunks of time versus needing to take it all as one. So, or for people who had parents perhaps in nursing homes and those nursing homes were closed. So really trying to think about how we're, how we're helping that kind of family work balance was a huge part of, of kind of our lift up offerings you know, we would have done webinars for parents and like, how are people coping with having children at home? And I think we kind of tried to normalize having guest appearances from children on different Zooms. Yeah, exactly. As so many of, you know, so many people have had to have had to deal with. And then I think just like just different, you know, they call it surprise and delight moments just to reward the team. So that can be something very small, like doing like a no meeting day all the way, as I mentioned, to um, kind of rest up week. Fantastic. Yeah. There's such a wide mix there. And wow. I mean, the 60 days paid leave is particularly impressive now, I must say. Incred- incredible support. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a year in. We're a little over a year in now to, to this lockdown. I know. We, we, I know. It's hard to, hard to believe. I know. <laughs> There's Everyone's talking about Zoom fatigue and people have tried the virtual coffees, the virtual quizzes. I mean, even the ukulele lessons, which sounded fantastic and great fun. Is there anything that's ongoing or, I mean, is there anything new you're trying or you've found that has been kind of a consistent engagement or you kept mentioning the word community there, a community piece that has kind of lasted a distance or or are you continuously kind of pivoting to try new things to keep people engaged? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like at the start of lockdown, I mean, you know, everybody was doing it, the general knowledge quizzes, the the happy hours on a Friday. That's really kind of evolved now to just, letting people just disconnect and less screen time is better. So it it feels like there's just a moment in time, you know, that you've got to be aware of people's just changing needs and changing behaviors. And, you know, it was a bit of fun back in, you know, May and June when we were out of the offices a couple of months to do our happy hours on a Friday evening. And honestly, like just talking to my team by the time five o'clock on a Friday comes around, the last thing we want to be doing is sitting on another Zoom call, right? And so it's just acknowledging that and, and being okay to disconnect. And that's kind of the, the next body of work for us. There's there's a, a team internally who is kind of looking at, you know, building in the remote commute, as I as I as I mentioned, 
you know, my husband and I do here at home, but how do we build that in like at a corporate level? Is there something you can put on, you know, your team's messenger to show that you're actually, you know, you're you're out of office, even though you're still at home, there's nowhere we can go, right? But you're you're out of office and not to be contacted and, and to kind of help people, you know, respect that time off and 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 stop the blurring of the lines or at least reduce some of the blurring of the lines. You know, we're becoming more conscious of people's working hours. So actually having, you know, your on your signature. These are my working hours. And then I think building in that flexibility, particularly when the schools were closed, I think was absolutely critical. So being able to be aware that, you know what, some people are homeschooling from nine till 12. So their their work hours might actually be seven to nine and then they come back online in the afternoon or they might start early and go late. It's not about a nine to five in a, during a pandemic. It's about trying to respect that flexibility, what works for the individual as much as what works for, for the company. So I think that's been our big learning and really looking at, you know, when we stagger these meetings and, and when we try to come together, being aware that people are, are juggling a multitude and are and are really struggling. Sure. And, and you've touched on this already. And we very recently had the, the right to disconnect, you know, a code of practice. Absolutely. Used by the government. Does that change anything within LinkedIn? You're probably already accommodating a lot of this already by what you're talking about here. Is there is there kind of formal policies in place around this, around kind of the work-life balance? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or does this right to disconnect, is that uh, supported in any way or, or add to it? Look, I, I think it's a great policy. I, I think, you know, it's very progressive. I think all employees should have the right to disconnect. I think what we look to our employees is to, to try to draw our own lines and our own boundaries around, you know, when that is versus when it isn't. And I think just empowering people to put their own working hours right on their email signature mm-hmm. is a great step. And I've seen very senior leaders do that. This isn't something that, you know, our entry level or individual contributors are doing. You know, we have and it's not just for parents, right? This is for, for all people. Like my team know I will take the time in the morning to do my commute or to do a workout or whatever it is. But likewise, I can come online then later on uh, that evening and do the work that I need to do. So rather than trying to define the hours that work for people, we're really asking our people to define the hours that work for them. And as I said, still a lot of work to be done in that space. I definitely wouldn't want to see it as a, as a tick box. We've nailed it. I do think that in particular over the last year, you know, I've seen people put in more hours than than I'm comfortable with. And and I I, I will continue to advocate and to evangelize the need for for more balance. Very good. You know, I like that. I I like the idea of empowering people and the fact that leaders are leading by example in that area as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of echoing a lot of what we had Mary McCluskey from Permanent TSB on recently. And she was talking about this like at a team level. So they have, I feel like almost a charter. They come together as a team. And say, look, this is our working hours as a team. This is the hour, these are the hours we work. This is when we're effectively switched off. Nice. And empowering each team, if you like, to come up with their own charter, as she called it, for that. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that idea. When I reflect on my own team and 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 kind of our own needs, I have people in different countries and different time zones, and so it's about trying to again balance that. Like tomorrow is a, is a national holiday in Brazil, so I have a an employee who works out of our Sao Paulo office, he won't be online, obviously. And so it's just about kind of, you know, trying to be able to flex for for me down to the individual as much as you want to have consistency across the team as well. It's it's a, it's an ongoing balance. Of course, yeah. And we, we didn't even mention that, uh, your your actual role. And, and by the way, congratulations. I think you were recently promoted uh, to the 
the VP of International HR BP for us. It's Europe, <laughs> East Africa, Latin America, and and Asia Pacific. So you've got a, a, a yeah, like a, a wide geographical spread there. I know it's quite the mouthful, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably easier to just say everything outside of North America, which I think is I think is is, is accurate. Right. So. <laughs> Define it by by what by what it isn't. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So 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 just in this last week, so I'm still coming to terms with with the new role. My role previously had been HR for Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Latin America, and we've just recent recently added Asia Pacific to that. So really excited to get going. But again, just even self reflection, thinking how am I going to manage you know, Asia hours with my European hours with, you know, my boss lives in California. So how do I, how do I get to talk to her and also talk to to my team in Singapore? So that's going to be my challenge for 2021. (laughs) Well, how do you, is it, do you have, do you work Irish hours on a Monday, US? Yeah, literally. So my plan is to do early mornings, Mondays and Tuesdays. Right. And then I'm going to start late on a Wednesday, do like take care of myself, like do the morning, take the morning off. Yeah. And then I typically do like a US call on a Wednesday evening with my team in the US. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do European hours Thursday. And then I really do try to just keep Fridays free of meetings and actually just get caught up on what needs to get done carving out time to think about strategy think about planning versus kind of being in that reactive mode Monday to Thursday if I can just carve out 20% of my week on on what's on looking to the future then then that's a success so my meetings are are pretty intensive Monday to Thursday but that's how I'm thinking about it you know we could talk again in six months and and it might have all gone out the window but you know let's see what happens very good. No, that, that's that's an interesting challenge, all right. But it's the it's the kind of the modern working world, isn't it? Yeah. The remote world, yeah. A hundred percent. And it's strange because, like, in a normal in a normal year, I would be on a flight going yeah. to Singapore to meet the team, um, and obviously that's not an option. So even just trying to, I'm so suddenly way more empathetic to people who've started new roles, right, and haven't had that face to face time to build those relationships has been incredibly challenging. And, and I knew that intellectually over the last year, but I think it's it doesn't become real unless you're in that situation yourself. And so this is a, it's going to be an interesting insight for sure. Absolutely. And I imagine when travel does come back, you there will be a lot of uh, travel involved with the role. Yes and no, Brian. I think if this last year has taught us anything, it's that we can do an amazing amount virtually, an amazing amount more virtually than we thought we could. And so... I am really going to challenge myself to like reduce my my air miles. My carbon footprint was probably fairly substantial over the last few years in terms of the amount of travel that I've had to do. And, and I, I really would like to make it a personal goal to reduce that. Of course, you know, you're going to have to get out there a couple of times a year, but it doesn't need to be. I don't need to be on a plane every week, which is kind of what it was before before the pandemic kicked in. So, yeah, a little a little bit of travel, but I'm really going to do my best to, to not kind of lose the head. But that that's a that's a kind of nice a positive outcome of all this, isn't it? Kind of the, yeah. The virtual world, you can actually get an awful lot done remotely. Yes, it's challenging in terms of the hours, as we've mentioned, but you actually there, there's a lot you can get done without being physically in a room with somebody. Yeah, and I think it's about striking that balance, right? Of just you know when does it really need to be face to face? I think we just fall into this habit of jump on a plane, you go see people on the regular basis, whereas if anything, this last year has taught us is that you can actually have really tough conversations virtually 
And so it's about just kind of trying to strike that that new balance. But yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a positive outcome, right? There's, you know, I think this last year has has been a, a positive for the environment, if, if not for, for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, very true. Hi, everyone. A really quick note to tell you about our online learning hub, the WorkWell Institute. If you're enjoying the episode today and are interested in learning more about well-being and work, then check out the courses we have on offer at workwellinstitute.org. There you'll find courses on managing stress, how to boost energy, our well-being champion training, and our flagship program for well-being leaders called Developing a Workplace Wellness Program That Lasts. There's a free preview available for all of the courses at workwellinstitute.org. Now, back to our conversation. Tell me about the well-being perspective then from, from, again, looking at it from the international idea. One of the challenges I've seen from a well-being perspective is there's a global organization. There are many different geographies. They have this overall, you know, really well-intentioned well-being program, but it kind of doesn't fit locally with a lot Mm. of the local hubs, if you like. They can't relate to it. Maybe local needs and wants aren't included. LinkedIn seemed to have booked a trend in that regard. I mean, I've been to the offices in Dublin. It seems to be very much, you know, it's a US organization, as you mentioned, there seems to be an awful lot going on, Irish-led, if you like. How does that work? Tell me about the actual structure, if you wouldn't mind, about the well-being structure within LinkedIn. For sure. I mean, as as I mentioned at the start of this, it sits within our compensation and benefits team. So Catherine Gilbert is our senior leader um, across the region. She's responsible for Europe, Middle East, Africa and Latin America. So EMEA, as we call it, and LATAM. And her team, you know, including Ursula, I think, you know, you know, Ursula, Brian. She's kind of our wellness guru. They have just done phenomenal work in making sure that it's fit for purpose across the region. And, And exactly to your point, there is absolutely no logic in having, you know, these expensive programs that get rolled out that actually are not fit for purpose. And so some of the things that we really double down on are our local employee resource groups. And so they are, you know, frontline employee led. We have chapters in each office. They're striving towards the same strategic goal, but how they do it can be very different, right? So if I think about our out it in resource group who are LGBTQ plus community, you know, they might organize Pride in London or Dublin and how that, how we kind of show up in different ways is, is, is really employee and frontline led, which is, which is really cool versus like a leader sitting somewhere in California trying to roll out something that they think is, is, is relevant. And so credit to our leaders in California, they give us budget and they, you know, give the autonomy to go ahead and do that. But you know, a lot of what we do is 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 really led by our employer resource group. And then, as I mentioned, our, our compensation and benefits team kind of put the, the framework around the lift up platform, as you will, which is our, our surprise and delight moments at, at more of a corporate level. Probably a really good example is if I reflect on rest up week. So we were offering Monday to Friday off in most of the globe. Our office in Dubai works Sunday to Thursday. Oh, yes. And so, you know, of course, we just we flex and, and they took the Sunday to Thursday versus the Monday to Friday. Sure. But it's just being cognizant to your point of, of what's going to work in different geographies. Excellent. Yeah. So you mentioned, so Catherine heads up the team, if you like, 
Um, you've got Ursula is a full-time, uh, the well-being leader, is it, on site in Ireland? Yeah. You're a well-being ambassador yourself. Is that right? I saw that in your in your profile. Um, fabulous. Great. Uh, I will always be an ambassador for our wellness uh, program, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, we all need to be wellness ambassadors, right? We have 1,600 employees in our Dublin office. We've got 2,800 across the region, um, across EMEA and LATAM, and about another 1,500 in, in APAC. So these are significant numbers. And you kind of really can't be a leader and, and not be a wellness ambassador because ultimately wellness impacts your team, impacts you know, their mental health impacts, you know, how, how everybody sort of shows up. I've done a fair bit of work on kind of the fertility side of things and, and that wellness aspect. And so certainly it's definitely a passion point for me. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that because you spoke out recently about the, the fertility issues, still a taboo mm-hmm. topic in the workplace. Yeah. And it's the, it's the hashtag my whole self campaign. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one in six couples experience a fertility challenge at some point um, in their lives, which is a pretty astonishing number. And then, you know, the numbers I just gave you, 1,600 people sitting in Dublin, do the maths on that, right? It's a topic that, you know, people carry with them. And I think, you know, having experienced it personally, there is this real taboo about, can I talk to my boss about this? Can I talk to my team? You know, it might be that you're going through IVF. It might be that you're struggling with fertility challenges, as I said, it might be that you've experienced a miscarriage. You know, it's 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 a pretty horrific thing to go through, right? Because it's it's so emotive and it's so personal, but at the same time, you can't just check that at the door when you walk into the office or when you log on to Zoom. And we, you know, certainly at LinkedIn, we talk a lot about being able to bring our whole selves to work. And if that's really the case, then surely we should be able to come and, and express, you know, I'm having a bad day. I'm about to start my IVF, I'm taking hormones, or, you know, I've had a miscarriage, I'm going to need to take some time off. And really making those conversations okay. And I think that it just tied in beautifully to that whole, my whole, my whole self, because I really do, I mean, you know, as I said, speaking from personal experience, and, and speaking on both sides, right? So speaking as somebody who went through IVF, who experienced miscarriages, who didn't talk about it in her previous role, to now, <laughs> people can't stop me talking about it because I do believe it is it is that important to actually open up and and kind of and set an example and try to break the taboo and make it okay for people to be in a difficult situation and actually ask for that time off and. Again, back to our Comp and Ben team, you know, we, incredible work, they introduced a fertility benefit. So we're, we're, we're currently paying 27,000 euro towards the cost of uh, fertility treatments for any of our employees who need it around the world, which, you know, when I see that and I think about, you know, the pressure that I experienced when I was earlier in career trying to pay for IVF, it's bloody expensive. Your health insurance doesn't really cover it. If I'd had this at the time, I mean, this would have just alleviated so much pressure and so much stress. So I think, uh, again, huge kudos to them and, and for just thinking outside the box. And then, you know, I'm the well, I'm the spokesperson, effectively. I'm, I'm the person who experienced it. And, and I'm happy to kind of share my story if that helps others. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, you're really leading by example there, which is so important, as you've mentioned, in you know, so many aspects of, of work and life. From the well-being perspective, and then and as well the overlap with the fertility, then as well. When were you driving this yourself, or was were you involved in the actual campaign, uh, the the Comp and Benefits team, or is this just something that has has tied in and you've got on board now? 
Yeah, it kind of feels like it was just this beautiful marriage. So our benefit was always there in the US. So, you know, we had we had always paid for for fertility and for adoption out of the US, but it wasn't something actually that a lot of companies do in Europe just because of how challenging it is to work with health insurance companies to set up the systems and the processes, right? And so this was something that from a financial perspective and from a benefit perspective, Again, Catherine Gilbert and the Comp and Ben team really wanted to roll out beyond North America. And then as part of our conversations as a leadership team, as a HR leadership team around how we would do this, you know, I opened up about my experiences, you know, and, and even in kind of talking about, well, what should be covered, right, as part of this fertility treatment. I remember having conversations with the team and saying, well, I, I really think that this should be covered because, you know, this is something that I needed and, you're almost, I won't say co-creation because, you know, the, the kudos definitely lies with them, but definitely, you know, giving input into that process. And then as part of this, just feeling like I'm a HR leader, how can I stand behind a policy where I'm talking about something that is so deeply personal to me? And it shouldn't just be about the financial. It should be about creating an environment where people feel that they can talk about this. And so, you know, I kind of took that angle of if we're going to roll out a benefit, I also want like the structure and the ability for people to to feel comfortable having this. So fabulous that we'll pay for the fertility treatment, but then being able to turn up on a Monday and and tell your manager this has happened and I'm going to, to need to take some time. And so that really became my passion project. And, and, you know, I've spoken about it many, many times now since. And the amount of our employees who have kind of come forward and have used the benefit and have also just been so appreciative of the ability to, to talk about this in, a, in an open way, candidly. Yeah, you know, it's, it sounds like it's overlap with when I talk about well-being, uh, well-being in the workplace. You know, if you want to bring people with you and the way to do it, and it's, you know, it's very simplified, but... It's the evidence, so the facts, figures, financials, plus the personal stories. Talk about the personal stories of the people in your organization that have experience in this area. Once they're comfortable, of course, but share those stories, talk about them, make them open, create a more psychologically safe environment for people to talk about this, plus the, the facts and the figures and the data in the area as well. Exactly, exactly. And that was the whole point, right? I just, it didn't sit right with me that we would roll out this policy and I wouldn't be open and honest about my own experience um, and try to at least set some sort of a, a precedence for having these conversations. And, and actually, it was incredible the amount of guys who, you know, who would just come up to me and say, thank you, this is something my wife and I or my partner and I are going through. And I think because I I had the experience of seeing my own husband and 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 how he was kind of dealing with, with, our, with our challenge, a lot of people sort of assume this is like a female problem or a female challenge, or it's only women that, you know, feel the emotion. And actually it's, it's all of us, right? This is incredibly, incredibly difficult stuff to go through. So I think that for me was the big learning that just it's not just women who need to talk about this, right? It's 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 everybody who's going through it. Sounds like it's a great way of breaking down barriers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Having conversations. What about people listening in, I guess, that are they're from maybe from they're independent or maybe they're from smaller organizations with less budgets and they're here and Look, the wonderful supports that, that LinkedIn are putting in place, and I think that's all fine. They're a massive. You know. But you have experience in other organizations as well. Um, there's, there's a lot organizations can be doing across these areas. What advice would you have for those 
organizations listening in. Yeah, like I couldn't agree more. Like totally recognize the privileged position that we're in as employees of LinkedIn. And not everybody's going to be in a position to grant 60 days, right, of, you know, paid leave, right? Like that's that's on the other end of the spectrum, 100%. I think what's candidly what's worked is like creating that open environment, right? That costs nothing. Being an authentic leader and saying, I'm having a really tough day today and actually making it okay to have a tough day. We're in the middle of a pandemic, people. Like it's not all supposed to be happy clappy all the time creating like moments of of fun right so maybe that's you know delivering a you know the juice right or a juice box to people's houses like it's a it's it's a small it's a small outlay but maybe that's a friday morning it puts a smile on on a couple of people's faces and and you have your juice or your coffee morning together right and just creating those moments where it's not all about the work where it's about people as well you know, maybe on a Friday afternoon, you tell everybody to take, you know, the next two hours off, go spend it with their family. Again, that costs you nothing. Right. And so I, I, I totally agree. I don't think it's about like the big budget stuff. Um, I actually don't think that's what what makes a real difference. I do think it's about the culture. And I think it's about, you know, allowing people to have their difficult moments, making sure that people are using their PTO. Right. Something as simple as that. I pulled a report for last year. Our PTO usage was way down versus year over year because people couldn't go anywhere. They didn't want to take it. And so, you know, we've done a bit of a campaign around, please, you know, take your time, right? This is time that you are owed. You need to decompress. Put away the laptop, even if it's a walk on the seafront or, you know, whatever's within your five kilometers, go do that. Um, so I think just it's back to basics, Brian, right? It's it's just how would how would you want to be treated? How do you want to be spoken to? And, you know, certainly... As I said, turning up sometimes on a Monday and saying, wow, I'm really not in the headspace for this today. I'm being very genuine about it and kind of, you know, not all of us can be on 100% all of the time. Yeah. A couple of little tips. <laughs> some some great tips. There's some great advice and, you know, the culture. I mean, what is culture? It's it's behaviors. And we're, we're echoing back to it's, it's leaders, you know, build that culture with their behaviors. You, you've demonstrated that quite a few times already. And quite a few of the initiatives you've mentioned there are actually there's zero cost whatsoever involved. I mean, if, if budget is an issue for some, no, no meeting Friday you mentioned. There's also the I, I'm what I'm what I'm hearing and liking is uh, some people instead of the no meeting on a full day Friday, it's like a no meeting Monday morning, no meeting Friday afternoon. So that that's what I would vote for. <laughs> as a, as a leader, maybe you know you, you decide not to send emails after seven p.m. That kind of thing. You can easily schedule them for. 8 a.m. the next morning, 9 a.m. Another 45 minutes, change the default, the company default on Teams or Zoom meetings from, from one hour to 45 minutes. Love that. People will fill the hour if it's there. Default to 45. Yeah, I literally just had this conversation with somebody. <laughs> it was just like, no more 30 minutes. Like we're going to do 25 minutes. Like that. that's what we're going for. And just being able to like build in that time where... You know, if you're in a working environment, you'd be you'd be moving between the floors, or you'd be going to a different part of the building, and so you just kind of need those that five minutes, maybe just to go and refill your water, right? Go and take a go and take a quick, a fresh air break, whatever it is. So I love that one. I yeah, I totally agree. You you must be you must be missing the as good as the the, the online the remote piece is. You must be missing the I guess well the camaraderie, your colleagues, yeah. uh, person. You've got a, a there is a wonderful office, the location there, oh, um, Dublin. You've got a you've got a gym. You've got, I've been lucky enough to visit. You've got yeah. a fantastic uh, canteen there. You you must be missing that that environment. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no hiding it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I used to kind of quite like the idea of doing a day a week working from home. And I'll I'll probably so we're going to allow all of our employees to work uh, remotely up to 50 percent of the time, even after we we return. But I really look forward to being in the office three, three, four days a week. And then I think I'll probably take that Friday, as I mentioned, to do my, my future planning, no meetings, you know, no Zoom, nothing. And just kind of take that time for, your, for, for myself. But I do miss it. We're actually in the process of building a new office. So it will be online by next summer. And we, we, did, a, we did a call recently with our architects and our workplace peop, uh, amazing team. They do a phenomenal job. And they showed us the designs and it just, it gave me such, I don't know, not homesickness, work sickness to get back in and actually just to see real people in the flesh and, and be in kind of that great environment. So yeah, I, I definitely can't wait to experience that again. Nice. Yeah. Um, and just out of curiosity for the, the new building design, I wonder, are there any kind of changes now? Are there yes. any more relaxation spaces and kind of well-being zones would that be is our kind of and breakaway breakaway areas and fresh air actually fresh air areas so we're gonna have working spaces um i mean this is gonna sound you know so spoiled but we we will have a rooftop terrace um and there will be working spaces up there for people to actually be able to to get that fresh air and and you know if we think about even our ventilation system and you know, all of that sort of stuff is something we're, we're, I know our architects and workplace are thinking way more about than they ever would have before. How can we pump as much clean, fresh air into the building as we possibly can? And things like literally, you know, using the open spaces and allowing people kind of that, that workspace outdoors, um, I think will be huge. We're also looking at, you know, occupations or what we thought it could potentially fit to now having much less desks, more space between the desks will be critical as well. And, you know, thinking about how we can actually encourage kind of the, the maintaining your own area in a, in a very clean and a very efficient way. So I think there's there's lots of thought going into it. It's certainly going to be a very different environment. We opened our building for about two months last summer when the cases were super low. And even that was a strange experience, you know, wearing a mask around the building, you know, you're handed kind of a little bottle of, of, of you know, antibacterial spray and you'd spray down your own desk area. And, you know, it, it, it just felt very different than what it had done before. I think even when we go back to, you know, normal, things will definitely feel different for sure. But but I love that that concept of kind of that fresh air coming into the building. That does sound, that sound nice. Yeah, yeah, really good. And and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing already that, you mentioned kind of the 50% remote, 50% on site. I'm sure you've been listening to colleagues on that. Is that kind of, is that where the demand is? Is that what people are looking for? Is that kind of the, the best mix? I think so. There's two aspects. So I think there will be the, when things go back to normal and the offices are reopened, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who will actually continue to enjoy working from home and the flexibility that that brings. Likewise, I think there's a lot of people, you know, who have been living in smaller apartments, you know, maybe they're flat sharing and actually can't wait to get back to an office five days a week. So, you know, kind of looking at what and, and we were surveying all of our employees globally, asking them like what their preference would be. So we were literally going straight to our employees versus, you know, just cascading a decision. And what came back was, you know, that 50% a week mix and the ability to choose, I think, was super important. So that's the flexibility we're going to offer 50-50 or up to 50. And, you know, obviously people can come in five days a week or they can, you know, work at home two days a week, you know, whatever their preference is. So we'll certainly do that. 
And then I think the other piece that was probably, you know, pretty significant was just people looking for, can I actually go full remote, right? Can I potentially, you know, go down to the country? Can I look at that as an option? And so, or can I leave the country? Like we're, we're also kind of running a separate process where we're looking at that angle as well. And um, and saying what works for the company because you want to maintain kind of that's you know that that hub Dublin is our is our international hub and so we really don't want to break that especially with the investment in real estate as well but we also want to be mindful of what will work for our employees so that's the big question uh, that we're trying to solve at the moment really good yeah so it sounds like you know quite a few options on the table there um a lot of interesting options to be explored is is it, I imagine one of them is then I'm hearing some other organizations are looking at it from the team perspective again. You know, if you are doing the 50-50 model, it makes sense for one particular team to be in at the same exactly. time as opposed to again missing each other kind of uh yeah. separate days. I imagine that that's something again that's being explored. That's very much top of mind. Yeah. So kind of making sure that managers are engaged in those conversations with their with their people and you know if there's a team meeting that it happens on the day that everybody's in the office or if you've got people in different you know locations making sure that you know it, again you can all come together so i think that will be will be will be super critical yeah yeah very good and we were kind of touched on it like what are your own thoughts what will the future of work look like in a year two years time a nice easy question um <laughs> it'll take time for even with all this you know the talk of the 50 50 even that i think it'll take time for that to bed down in a couple of years time and what will what will the working environment look like look i, I still think that there's going to be a need for your brick and mortar office um i don't see that kind of disappearing into the past um, I think that people will still want to gravitate towards that sense of community and, and a sense of community that you can really only get from that face-to-face. But I think there will be less reliance on it than there has been in the past. So I think definitely more openness to people working from home, more agility. I think what this has, has taught us is that people can be incredibly productive, you know, working from home, that it's not that you have to be sitting in an office under kind of daily supervision. That's certainly, I think, being absolutely kiboshed People, you know, have definitely demonstrated that they're incredibly self-motivated, hardworking and determined to get results. I mean, certainly that's been my experience and hats off to every single person who's like battled through it with less than perfect Wi-Fi, you know, perhaps in less than ideal, you know, surroundings. But I think agility and flexibility is the future. Agility and flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree there. And it sounds like you're, you're definitely listening and you're you're asking the right questions anyway. So definitely going yeah. the right way. And we'll finish off and we've concentrated on the on the organization quite a bit. And what we did touch on it in the beginning, actually, but, you know, your own well-being, your busy role. It's the, walk, the walking with the dog. You must be you must be missing the gym, though. And how do you do you kind of yeah. schedule time, the remote commute or the, the fake commute, as you said? Yeah, for sure. So I do the fake commute in the morning and then I have my my little home gym set up kind of out the back garden and, you know, make sure I get, I mean, 30 minutes a day, maybe if I'm being good. But, you know, it's a bit of movement and I never regret it. So that's, uh, you know, that's key. And then I also think the food piece as well is critical because I, I think, again, we were spoiled in LinkedIn, you know, having our, our lunches and our breakfast in there. And so that's, again, required a shift to thinking, more planfully, I'm a vegetarian. So what does that mean? How can I make sure that I'm looking after myself? But uh, yeah, it's all those little things that you had to adjust to at the start, the, the fake commute, making sure you kept moving, 
what it's going to mean for your food because you know it's easy to it's easy to be think you're in the middle of a pandemic it's not going to last that long I'll treat myself on a Monday night and then that pandemic turns into a year and you're in a very different situation so I think yeah I think uh, we're, we're all learning a little bit of self-discipline at the moment absolutely we are we are and we're all looking forward to the gyms and the, <laughs> and the restaurants and, and all totally. opening up as well <laughs> totally totally yeah bring it on I'm ready Listen, Lisa, thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation. Where could people go to find out more about you if they want to reach out and, and the work you do? Sure. So LinkedIn, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give our platform the plug. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. Absolutely. That's probably the best place to, to make contact. Thanks so much, Brian. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. Brian here again. A big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the Work Well podcast. I wanna give a big shout out to our partners, the fruit people who are leading the way in workplace nutrition, both in office and remotely. You can check them out at thefruitpeople.ie. And it's with thanks to the fruit people that we have a delicious fresh fruit and healthy snack pack to give away to one lucky listener for each episode of season three. Find out how to enter, go to workwellpodcast.com and find the link to the latest podcast episode. Finally, are you interested in diving deeper in the area of workplace well-being? Why wouldn't you? You need to check out the WorkWell Institute. The WorkWell Institute is an online hub for all your workplace well-being, education, and training needs, whether you're an individual or an organization. Head on over to workwellinstitute.org where you'll find out the details on all the courses available, including my flagship program, Developing a Workplace Wellness Program That Lasts. Check it out at workwellinstitute.org. Thanks again for listening. The original music for this podcast was composed by my friend, Greg Clifford. Thank you, Greg. Remember to work well, stay safe, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Work Well Podcast.